Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. My name is Christian Williams. I am a radio and TV presenter. I grew up on a farm on the Isle of Wight, basically mucking out pigs. And never did I ever think I'd be sat in front of a microphone for a living or giving away cars. I remember when I used to watch when I was younger. A lot of people don't understand that I played. Every week, I would look at the judge's decision on the spot of the ball image and be like, what? How have I not won? A lot of people ask me, what are the odds on winning BOTB? It is literally impossible to work out the odds. It's a scam, it's fake. How do you deal with that? It bothered me a lot. We would have players emailing us and phoning us saying, where did you buy your chopsticks from so they could get the same chopsticks? To work with the team that I get to work with is awesome, and I love them to bits. What happened? I'll try not to get emotional about it because it, it is, it's hard for me. It was, it, was, it was difficult. Yeah. For radio, there was two reasons why I came out of it. One was... Well, this brings me perfectly. So, Christian, welcome to my podcast, Road to Success. I reached out to you and I'm so thankful that you agreed to come on today. Well, thanks for Uh, asking me. Well, I try and cover as many different stories, people, journeys as I can possibly do uh, and things that people will find interesting. And what I love is when someone's journey has been slightly different uh, to the norm or it's put them in a position where others might look at it and go, that is so cool or potentially that's so lucky or whatever. And then try and get into how has that situation basically occurred. Um, and I'm sure there'll be many listeners from your social platforms, from people who use say BOTB, that's got a great big following, or maybe listen to you on the radio that know who you are. But for those who don't know who you are in your own words, who are you and what do you do? My name is Christian Williams and I'm a bit of an idiot. (laughs) I mess around with cars for a living and I speak on the radio. Um, Yeah, I'm a radio and I suppose online TV presenter. The the word TV now seems to be so broad, doesn't it? Is it, are you a YouTuber or are you, you know, hosting something on BBC One? Like, what is a TV presenter these days? So I guess I'm an online personality uh, and yeah, radio presenter. I do um, hosting of events. I do voiceovers. Um, so yeah, I've, I've got my fingers in a few different pies, so to speak. But yeah, I am a radio and TV presenter, if you need to put it in a little bubble. And how long have you been for say on the radio? Uh, ever since I left university, I messed around with radio when I was at uni. Um, and ever since then, really. And for the last six months or so, I've actually come out of radio. It got to the point where um, something had to give. I I was working so hard that one day I basically fell over and I just didn't get back up again. And I had to go to the doctors and I had to say, I don't feel right. Um, something's, something's happened. I've run out of energy. And it's life has just all of a sudden got really tough. Um, and I had a long chat with them. And basically I was just burning the candle at both ends. I was working seven days a week. I was traveling 
God knows where for BOTB to surprise winners, usually two, three times a week. And then I was on the radio at the weekends, which I think probably a lot of people maybe watching this or listening to this podcast will be like, don't radio presenters just turn up at the time that their show starts, talk for three hours and then go home. It does, doesn't work like that. There's so much planning that goes into a radio show that I don't think people quite understand. Um, and you have to be there. Well, I usually were there two hours before my radio show. So to do seven days worth of continuous work, I just got to the point where my body was like, I'm going to give up now, mate. I can't do it anymore. So it, it got really tough. Really, really tough. And how long had you been doing that? So, what, what kind of say? How old are you now, and where, where did that start? So, uh, probably working the seven days a week. So, when I first started working at BOTB, that was literally just one day. So, I just used to do the Tuesday when we go out and surprise winners, which was awesome fun, and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that more in in a little while. But um, I then went on to doing three days consulting for a little bit more and presenting for a bit more of their stuff, doing some voiceover stuff for them and, and things that they needed. And it eventually be- basically became to near enough five days work here and there. And then the radio stuff, I've worked weekends for the past eight years, nine, 10 years. Yeah. Prob- no, actually pushing on 10 years, easy 10 years uh, working weekends. So of course that plays havoc with your social life as well. All my mates are going out the so weekend. So was that from your early 20s? Yeah. 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 So I came out of university and went basically straight into radio. And the only job you can get when you go straight into radio is kind of overnight shifts at the weekend. So there's a great story that everyone asks me, like, how did you get into radio? Well, I grew up on a farm on the Isle of Wight, basically mucking out pigs to help my dad. Um, and never did I ever think I'd be sat in front of a microphone for a living or, or let alone in front of a camera giving away cars. Um, and it was because my dad, my biological father, he worked in media and he lives over in, in Wiltshire and my family and I grew up on the Isle of Wight. And my stepdad had this farm and, you know, I helped him out on the farm and and I was going through life thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to be a farmer? Because I'm doing a lot of this stuff. I quite like driving around in tractors and you can obviously drive around on your own land at like, 13 years old. Or your old. own island. Or, or your own <laughs> island, yeah. So yeah, we had a piece of land on the Isle of Wight. And I think this is probably where my love of cars started, where my dad bought my brother and I this go-kart and we'd just burn around the farm on this go-kart. And I'd learned how to use clutch control by the time I was like 14 or 15. So it was weird when I came to take my driving test, the instructor was like, you're really good on the clutch. I say, yeah, I've been doing this for years. Um, he said, but every time we drive past a car, you nearly veer into the hedge. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I'm just used to like, going past cows and stuff, like going past an actual car coming the other way, I found really weird. Um, and I went through life kind of not really knowing what I wanted to do. I like cars. Farming was was interesting, but I, my dad worked so hard on the farm, so, so hard. Christmases, you know, Christmas morning, my brother and I would be up and we were like, we're going to open presents. My mum would be like, you need to wait until your dad comes home and he'll come home and he's smelling really badly and he needs to have a shower. So we got to wait around for him to have a shower and then we can finally open the presents. And I think only really now I can appreciate how much he worked kind of, you know, from, from dusk till dawn, really. And um, it was only really when I started spending a bit more time with my biological dad, who did a lot more media stuff. He was a, a cameraman. I was like, oh, this is quite fun. I quite like the idea of filming cars. So I, wa- I thought I wanted to be a cameraman. So I went to university in Portsmouth, um, obviously not that far from the Isle of Wight. I think I was probably worried that I wouldn't know how to do my own washing. Most people have to go down to Portsmouth <laughs> University. <laughs> I went up. Yeah, I went across a stretch of water. Uh, so I went to uni, I studied TV and film production, thinking that I wanted to be a cameraman filming cool cars. And um, it was only about halfway through my second year, and I was quite a shy kid. Uh, my dad, my biological dad was like, look, you should try radio. I tried it as a kid. I loved going out DJing. It was really good fun. You should try it. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't, it's just not for me. I'm just, I'm, I like being behind the camera. I'm quite a quiet kid. Like I don't, I don't want to be presenting. That's not for me. And he pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. And I'm so glad he did because at the end of it, I was like, I'm just going to do it to keep him happy and just to shut him up basically. So I dragged along a, a mate of mine and we went into the student radio station and, um, uh, I knocked on the door and it was one of those moments where you like, you don't really want to be there, but there is part of your brain going, this is interesting because it's new. I remember I went with my mate Joey and we went and uh, it was Pure FM, Portsmouth's uh, student radio station. And we went up to the door and we were like, well, we'll knock. And if there's no one there, we'll just leave. So I literally went up and went, no, there's no one there. And I left. So I, as I was about to leave, I didn't give it any time because I just wanted to get out there because I knew it was going to be awkward. This really lovely lady answered the door and she was like, hi, like, welcome. Like she was just a student. So she was 
probably half drunk anyway, like all students yeah. were. And uh, she invited us in, had a look at the studio. And I was a real geek growing up anyway. I loved computers. I loved like making websites and stuff. And um, I really loved the technology. Like even coming into your your podcast setup here, I was like, that's cool. You got like cameras and the microphones. And I was like geeking out over all the kit you've got. And um, I said to her, oh, this is quite interesting. She said, well, do you want to present? I said, no, not really. I quite like the technology side. She said, well, why don't you just sit in on a radio show and see what it's like if you've never done it before? I'll never, ever forget the time that me and Joey sat in on this guy called Eddie. He had a show called Rock Steady Eddie, and uh, he loved playing his rock music. He was a really interesting character, a really nice guy, and he invited us in as guests, and we just sat there. And he faded the mics up, bearing in mind, I think the only people listening to his radio show were probably his mum and his sister or something. Like, we had two listeners. But for me and Joey sat there, like, we're in the command centre of something that's just about to launch a rocket. Like, this is so exciting. Fades the mics up and we're like, whoa, we're on air. Big red light, mics live. Headphones on. (laughs) Headphones on. And we were there and it was happening. And I was like, oh, my God. And, like, all the hairs on the, my arms started to stick up and I was like, this is incredible. And it was at that moment, I think that I knew that that's something I wanted to do. Did you know that you wanted to just be involved in it or did that spark any want to get behind the microphone? As soon as, as soon as he started talking, I was like, I want to be him. I want to be sat where he sat, pushing the buttons, making stuff happen, talking to an audience, even if it was just your mum and your brother or whatever. It was exciting for me. So that really did then start the journey. Because what I what I found from, say, podcasting, and there may be people on here that get very angry with what I'm about to say, but I feel like e- either presenting a radio show or presenting where you're talking to someone and trying to tell a story, it's almost like another form of English. Like that you've got poetry, and I, I, I think you've got podcasting slash radio hosted because it's so difficult. What I find, just to give her a little bit of a thing, is loading up the next question in your head while listening and trying to think about something else. Yeah, and I, I also think that, that being able to paint a picture is really important because you've got this incredible medium, which is radio, which is basically people allow you into their house. They don't really know you, but in the morning they're making breakfast, they turn the radio on, you're there, you're in their breakfast room or whatever, you're in their kitchen, you're in their house. So how do you communicate with that person without them talking back? So there was a lot of times in radio where the bosses would say to me, just imagine somebody in front of you, even though there's maybe nobody in the studio or maybe your producer sat opposite you, but they can't talk. They don't normally come on air. So you're talking to someone that doesn't talk back. So how do you have a conversation with someone when it's just one way? So it's about building a picture about maybe the story you're telling and painting that picture verbally, which is definitely a skill that, you know, you've got to have, I think, if you're on the radio and you listen to some of the best radio presenters, you know, I've had the privilege of working with, you know, Chris Evans and he does such a great job. He does talk quite a lot, but he does a great job of articulating what he's talking about and painting that picture and connecting with someone. And I find radio absolutely amazing to be able to to be able to have that connection with with someone. And you'll get people that meet you in the street and they're like, oh my God, I've listened to your show for years and stuff. Like, And they'll talk about stuff that you're like, wow, I was sat in a room talking to myself about that. And you completely forget that there are lots of people listening, taking on that information. And from the picture that you've currently painted, the bit that I want to kind of touch on is that is quite the difference to basically grow up on a farm but become a geek for tech. Because <laughs> yeah. most stuff on a farm is agricultural. It's yeah. not exactly techie so that growing up you say that you were it sounds like you were closer to your stepdad because that's where you were necessarily I spent a lot more time with him you spent a lot more time and then suddenly there was this other spark of hang on life looks a little bit different up (laughs) yeah up from the other fight so you went to university what was it at university that enabled you once you'd made that decision you'd you'd gone knocked on the door you'd seen the rock show you'd put on the headphones and you thought right okay now I'm going to actually pursue this what did that map look like It's about, and I talk about this a lot with some of my close friends, um, and I'm happy to share it with you as well and, and, you know, the listeners and the the viewers of your podcast, but it's about creating your own luck. If you're not in the right place at the right time, you ain't going to get that opportunity. So for me, there's two types of luck. There's dumb luck, which is something like winning the lottery. That's very lucky. Or a car competition. Or a car competition, (laughs) yeah. Or there is a bit of skill involved in that. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yeah, no fair. Um, and then there is kind of your your luck, which you you manifest yourself. So for me, getting into radio, it's difficult. There's not many radio position 
jobs out there, like right? Like Formula One seats. Like Formula One seats, right? It's a limited amount, really. And to be able to get in there and and to be able to basically get the job is, is hard. The way I did it was student radio is absolutely phenomenal. Like if anyone's watching this or listening to this, thinking uh, radio is something that I'd love to get into. If you're at uni, go and knock on the door of your student radio station. Student radio is so important to the radio industry because it allows people at, at university level that are so creative to just go and have a laugh on the radio. It's not the end of the world if you say something that maybe you can learn from. Or I, I, I try and see it as like a sandpit. You go in, you build some stuff. If it doesn't work, you just knock it down and build something else. It's not the end of the world. Whereas you can't really do that in commercial or, or you know maybe BBC radio. You've got to be on it when you get to that point. And it was at that point at student radio that I realized that all of the big radio professionals and the big radio companies like Capital and Radio One, they all looked at student radio for their next big star. So someone like Greg James, who presents the breakfast show on Radio One, he came from student radio. Um, A lot of people on the radio that you listen to now, they all came from student radio. And Student Radio allowed me to um, go to conferences um, that they started, which all of the big bosses from the radio stations would would come to, and you could talk to, and there'd be conferences and yeah, sorry, um, interviews and stuff, and you could listen and ask questions. And there was one conference in particular. I was just about to leave Portsmouth Uni, and there was one conference left that I could go to. It was up in Nottingham, so I went up there. Um, which was obviously for me growing up on the Isle of Wight, I'm like, wow, Portsmouth was big, but Nottingham, like this is a proper city. Like this is men- this is mental, like this is cool. So we went to Nottingham and we went and got a tour around Trent FM at the time. They've all changed the capital now, but Trent FM was a great um, radio station up at the top of this tower. And I remember going up in the lift and they had these incredible studios. Everything was really flashing, as you can imagine, as I'm a complete geek. I was like, wow, what does that do? What does this do? And we got a tour around and a lot of my um, colleagues or peers, you could call them, a lot of my student mates, they were all so hungover from the night before because as you can imagine, there was a bit of a social the night before and they all just wanted to get on the train and go home. I was like, this is, I'm, I'm at the place that I love. Like I'm in heaven right now in a radio station. And the boss there was a guy called Dick Stone and he is one of the best bosses I've ever had. Um, but I didn't know who was going to be my boss at the time because I was just there as a student. So I was just there going, oh, what does that do? And he said, oh, does anyone have any questions? And I literally for 10 minutes just had my hand in the air. So I was like, yeah, what does that do? How does that work? Even if I knew the answer to something, I was like, I'm going to ask a question because I want this guy to know that I'm keen. And um, at the end of the tour, he said to everyone, right, thanks for coming. Like, have a great day. Right? And everyone just walked off. And I was like, is no one going to ask for this dude's like details? Like, I need his email address or something. I need to send him a demo. Everyone buggered off. And I was like, what the hell is going on? So I just hung around at the end. I was like, oh, um, Dick, thank you for the tour. Is there any chance I could have like your business card? I'd like to send you my demo. And he's like, I can't believe you're the only person out of all these people that have come that have asked me for my card. So yeah, love to hear what you've got. Anyway, on the train home, everyone else was like hungover and sleeping. I edited a special demo just for this boss who I'd literally just met because I needed to be in the right place at the right time and I needed my luck to change. And the only way that my luck was going to change was if I did something about it. So I edited my demo and I sent it to him that afternoon. Uh, That evening, I got an email back saying, I'm about to go on holiday for a week. However, love your demo. I think we need to have a chat. I was like, oh. This is amazing. Like something might happen from this. Cut, cut forward about two weeks. Um, he gave me a call and he's like, I want to offer you a job. I was like, oh my God, an actual job in radio. This is mad. Um, and he said, I want you to do overnights. Um, it was Friday, but basically Saturday morning and Sunday morning, 1am till 6am on what was called the Hit Music Network. So I was on about 12 stations um, not just in Nottingham, it's also in Derby and Leicester and a few other bits of, and bobs as well around the country. I was like, this is incredible. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. He was like, brilliant. Anyway, I went up and I did my first radio show, which as you can imagine, like, I needed new pants after that. I was so scared. Like it was the scariest thing ever fading the mic up. It's student radio. It doesn't matter. But when you're on an actual radio station where you're giving out like a text number, people can call you and they can hear you and you're on it's proper busy, FM. Isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot going on even at 2am in the morning. Um, and I did this radio show for about a month and I went in for a chat with, with Dick Stone, my now new boss. And um, he said, I love what you do. This is great. He said, how are you getting on? I said, yeah. I said, it's, it's good. Um, I said, I'm really enjoying it. Like just any information or anything you can give me to 
to get better. I would love. And he was fantastic. He really mentored me. And he said, oh, I, I need to obviously give you some money because you're working here. It's a job. Can you uh, let me know what address you, you need on your contract? I was like, yeah, no worries. Um, so I gave him my address. And he's like, no, you've given me your Isle of Wight address. Because I was then living back on the Isle of Wight because I just finished uni. He's like, I need your Nottingham address. I was like, I don't live in Nottingham. So like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I live on the Isle of Wight. He said, but your radio show's in Nottingham. I said, I know. So how'd you get to work? I said, well, I get in my car, I drive to the ferry, I get on the ferry, I get off the ferry, I drive for nearly four hours. Then I either try and find someone's floor to bunk on or I try and find a really cheap hotel. He's like, right, so you got to pay for a ferry and a hotel. I was like, yeah. He said, are you making any money? I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not making anything. I said, but I love this job so much that I just want to keep doing it. So it's not really for the money. It's, it's about getting the experience of doing it. He was like, right, well, I need to give you more money. And he instantly gave me a pay rise. <laughs> that is unbelievable. I just meeting that one person, as you say, but if you hadn't have knocked on that initial door in the student university, it wouldn't have probably taught you to put your hand up that many times and ask that particular question. But how so how many years ago was that? Um, I would have been about, that would have been what, I'm 36 now. Um, that would have been about 12, 13 years ago. Wow. <laughs> and how... Scary saying and that. You've been, <laughs> and now you've been out of radio six months. Uh, yeah. So that's taken up a huge part of your life. Yeah, and that was all weekend stuff. And All weekends. On another path as you're going along with the radio stuff... You mentioned that you had a love for cars as well. And obviously at the minute you are very much in the automotive space and people probably, they may have heard your voice on the radio, but they've probably seen your face on the TV, television screen. Where was the, the love of cars on the side? I can't see where so, that's kind of come in. So I mentioned earlier, I think that my dad was a cameraman. So that's why I studied TV and film production at, at uni. Um, this is my biological dad. Obviously my stepdad, as we mentioned, was a farmer and I got that that side from him. So I'm very mechanical. I like taking stuff apart and trying to put it back together. But my uh, biological dad, yeah, he worked in TV and film and he did a lot of work for Mercedes Benz. Um, And when I got to the age where uh, I could go and I suppose shadow him at work, I would go along to shoots where he'd be filming really nice cars for Mercedes. I'd be like, oh, this is cool. I like this. This is shiny. It's nice. They sound really cool. Back in the day when, you know, proper V8 sounded yeah, like V8. 6.2s. Exactly. And um, I was like, this is exciting. I quite like this. So that's that's why I got into TV and film, because I wanted to film cars. I wanted to be that guy that that would make the TV ads that you'd see on your telly of, you know, the nice new Mercedes that had just come out. Uh, I wanted to do that. So I think that's where my love of cars really started and being able to burn around on a farm as well Did was quite cool. you only want to do that once you'd experienced radio though? Because you you also mentioned that you didn't want to put your you wanted to be the guy behind the microphone when you were doing your radio. This yeah, was way about, this was yeah, way what before about the cars. That. Yeah, so with the cars, I just wanted to be behind the, the camera. There's no way that I wanted to present. Right, okay, I had no at this point because I was still young. I was still at school, just shadowing like what my dad yeah. was doing with the cars. I had no interest at all uh, uh, about actually presenting anything. So if it wasn't for the radio side of things, you'd have never had the interest of being in front of the camera. Correct. Cars. Yeah. No way. And going on to that, and we'll come back to the radio, your other side to life, instead of a radio, you've also been presenting basically from the outside what looks like the most happiness-fulfilled moment cool, isn't it? anybody could possibly get. If you said, what kind of videos would you love to go and do that are going to actually make you feel good doing them? That. It's going to be what you're doing for people just to explain what is it that you do. So with BOTB, I, I suppose I'm kind of their brand ambassador. Uh, I help them with some of their marketing, a um, bit of a consultant, I suppose, for them in terms of what to do and what not to do. Which and, and was always an automotive competitions company, but now includes lifestyles and cash. And correct. All sorts yeah. BOTB has been running now since what, 1999, 20 whatever years born that years. is. Thank you. Uh, your maths is better than mine. No, I was just born in 99. <laughs> 24 years. So, it, it, and it's the company has always been. Uh, known for giving away cars and you may have come across them at airports uh, in shopping centres and stuff. Um, And it was a company that I knew about way before I worked for them, way before. And because I entered, I wanted to win a car. I was very lucky in terms of my radio career was going very well. I was at Virgin Radio at the time um, doing some stuff for them and also doing lots of voiceovers and stuff. So I had a few different income streams coming in, which allowed me to just about afford the finance on a uh, Porsche Cayman. 
And um, I loved that car. Absolutely loved it. I had a cup. I had a red one. And then where I, I started. A, a red Porsche Cayman really? was literally my first Porsche oh, there you car. Go. Yeah. Must be, uh, yeah, uh, the car of choice for uh, enthusiasts. And, um, and then I had this black one. And I was still trying to win cars on BOTB. Like a lot of people don't understand that I played before I started working for them. <laughs> Obviously, I can't enter now, but um, yeah, I loved it. And every week, I would look at the judge's decision on the spot, the ball image, and be like, "What? How have I not won?" Just like all the players do now. So when people come to come to me and go, "You don't understand how frustrating it is when I don't win." No, I get it because I was in your situation. I know exactly what it's like. And it, it got to the point where um, I was. Uh, I was like, well, I, I'm, I feel quite invested in this business now. Like I play most weeks. I really enjoy it. I don't spend much money, just a few quid every week. I just have a bit of fun. Playing a spot the ball game is is fun because you're trying to get closer every week. And yeah, sometimes you shout at the judges. Sometimes you're like, yes, they had the same idea as me and I was really close and I won loads of credit back. And I, I, I felt like I was really connected to this business. And me being the kind of person I was, which was quite a, a techie savvy person, and I was all on social media and I was social media trained for all the radio stuff stuff that we did anyway. Um, I didn't think BOTB's social media presence was as good as it could be. So I just dropped them an email one day and I said, look, can I come in and have a chat? Because I think you're missing a trick with your social media. And maybe people know or don't know, BOTB is a small team. Like when I started, there was, I don't know, probably nine members of staff. Um, It was small. So they didn't have a dedicated social media person. They had a marketing department, but they didn't have someone that just did. It was Rosie Facebook. on her phone in the corner kind exactly, of thing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, look, there's a nice car we can uh, take a picture, stick it on Twitter or whatever. There was no real, uh, uh, what's the word? Like kind of, there was no dedication. real strategy yeah, yeah, and dedication behind it. And um, it was quite funny. For, for, I was so invested in the company, I didn't know where they were based. And they were literally a 20 minute walk from my house where I lived in London, which was hilarious. So they were like, oh, come in for a meeting. So I, I got in my car, plumbed it in the sat-nav, and I was like, what? Five minutes? So I drove literally over Putney Bridge, ended up in Parsons Green, and I turned up obviously in this nice black Porsche, which was cool, and the, the boss of the company, Will, came out, and he's like, oh, nice car. He said, you obviously like your cars. I said, yeah, I love my cars. He's like, oh, that's cool. He said, well, in the future, regardless of what happens with you and I, can we borrow your car to surprise someone with? Because obviously BOTB buys brand new cars for winners. I was like, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, that, that did actually happen. There is a, a video of Will before I worked at BOTB using my car, my Porsche Cayman to surprise a winner, which was quite cool. But I went and had a chat with him and Ben, the marketing director there was like, well, look, we'll just see. We, we, there's no position yet for you. We don't have a lot of budget to, to employ someone to do just social media, but we'll see how we get on. I said, okay, fine. No worries. And then they said, how would you feel about presenting the surprise videos? Because at the time it was done by the CEO. And of course, CEOs of a business have a lot of stuff to do. One of which, Will's job, was to go out every week and surprise said winner. So he was travelling around the country on I, a Tuesday. I remember when I used to watch when I was younger. Yeah, So and Will would go out. He's not a presenter. He's he's the the CEO of the business. He, he's not. That's not really something that he wanted to do, but he knew that that was part of the business. And he enjoyed, I suppose, going out as you would, knocking on someone's door and being like, here's a brand new Aston Martin. (laughs) Like, what's not to love about that? But they did get to a point where the business grew and grew and grew and Will was like, I can't go out every Tuesday. And then they had another competition. He's like, this is impossible for me to manage the business and take up the whole of my Tuesday having to go and present these videos. So they actually phoned me up and it was a really weird story. Um, I was walking through Gatwick Airport past the BOTB car uh, to go on a skiing holiday with my family. And I get a phone call. I can see that it was Ben, the marketing director from BOTB. And I'm walking past the car thinking, oh, you must be here. Like, this is weird. So I answered it. I went, oh, where are you? He said, oh, I'm, I'm in the office. Where are you? I said, well, I'm in the airport walking past your car. He said, well, that's weird. He said, because I'm phoning you up to offer you a job. I was like, oh, whatever it is, I'll take it. I just want to work for the company. I thought it was a fantastic company. People were great. What they did was fantastic. And I just wanted to be part of it. And that started my BOTB journey in terms of then going out and surprising people with these amazing cars. So can you remember the first time that you surprised somebody? I'll never forget it. Yeah. Um, Mainly because I was so scared. If I watch it back now, I'm like, oh my God, that's so cringy. It's a bit like listening to your first radio show back when you fade the mic up and you're like, hey, good afternoon. You're like, what? <laughs> you're really putting on a voice. Uh, I, I was to delete my first episode of this podcast. Did you? Yes, I couldn't do it. It's it's one of those things, and and I think I saw a post that you put 
um, up earlier today saying, if you want to do it, just go and do it. And I love that mentality. Um, and for me, it was just like, I've got to get a job at this company. I love what they do. I really enjoy um, the the way that they do their videos and stuff. And I was like, God, I've, I'm now stepping into the shoes of the CEO to surprise people. First guy I surprised was a guy called Lewis, and he won a um, Maserati. And I still can't believe the day that I turned up at BOTB for my kind of first presenting day. And they were like, right, here's the keys to a Maserati. Go and drive it to this bloke and, and knock on his door. He's a student and he's won, I think, a load of money with it as well. I was like, sorry, he's just giving me the keys to a Maserati. <laughs> what the hell's going on? So yeah, you're all insured under our company policy. Like, it's all good. And I'm like, sick. So they just threw me these keys to this Maserati. And I was like, right, off we go. So me and the cameraman uh, drove to this uh, guy Lewis's house. I knocked on his door. And what's weird is that maybe my personality's changed a little bit over the years, but. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When I watched back that first surprise, I seemed quite very calm and collected. And now I'm like, the first instance of anyone about to cry on a surprise, I'll just start crying. Because I know how much it means for these people after working for the company for so long. I just know how much it means for this winner. If they start crying, I'll just go. I just know it. I'm quite an emotional person when it comes to, um, I suppose, sharing in that uh, experience with someone. And it is absolutely mad. So, yeah, I'll never forget the first surprise. It was great. We hid his uh, girlfriend or partner like in the car and we had a car cover over it. And we pulled the car cover off and it was great. It's, yeah, how can you not be happy doing something like that? And you mentioned that because it was a small team, I'm guessing when you joined, it was still a small team. It was, yeah. So were you also behind almost planning how that surprise was going to try and plan out? So right at the beginning, no. They had a, a really lovely lady that worked at BOTB um, called Shell, and she did a lot of the planning. But that wasn't really her job. She also did other stuff. Um, she was part of the marketing team. So it was it was only a little while after that that they were like, well, maybe Christian can do more than just basically being a gob on a stick in front of the camera. Maybe he can do a little bit more. Um, so I was like, yeah, I just want to get involved in whatever I can. So then they asked me to start, um, you know, building my kind of little black book, I suppose, of car dealers that can help us out and and contacts that we've got to help surprise people with these cars. So now, all day Monday, I am basically planning what we're doing on Tuesday. So for anyone that doesn't know and that's listening and watching this, the way that BOTB competitions work, let's take the dream car competition, which is kind of the big daddy of them. Now, this car's to the value of like nearly 200 grand in this competition, which is just insane that we get to give away prizes like that. Um, everyone enters for the car that they want to win. There's about 150 odd on the website. You pick which car you want to win. I'll pick which car I want to win. And then everyone plays the same spot the ball competition. Um, and it's I love spot the ball because it reminds me of like my granddad doing it back in the paper, like where you'd write, you'd draw your little cross in the paper and stuff. It's fun. And each week you just try and improve on what you were uh, you know, previously, um, everyone picks where they want to win. And at the end of the week, um, whoever's the closest to the winning coordinates wins whatever car they played for. So let's just say I played for, I don't know, a Volkswagen up, which is obviously not that expensive, but the ticket price would be cheap as anything. You play for a Lamborghini Urus. Of course, that ticket price is a little bit more expensive than, than my up ticket. If you're the closest, we're, you know, BOTB shelling out for a brand new I Urus. I didn't realise it was like that. I thought that you'd pick your car and you had a one in 150 chance of that being the one selected no. every week. A lot of people ask me, what are the odds on winning BOTB? It is literally impossible because to, to work out the odds, like it doesn't really matter how many people enter because let's just say you've got your picture um, and you think the ball is above this dude's head. Let's say every single other person that enters thinks it's over on the other side of the picture. If all the judges go, well, we think it's above the guy's head, 
you've got a one in one chance of winning. Like you, you're you're there. So it's so it's so difficult. People need to understand that when they enter the game, just enter it for fun. Don't don't try and statistically work out what your chance of winning is because it's impossible. You don't know where that ball's going to end you've up. You've definitely being. met those guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they come <laughs> up to someone me. Someone with four screens in their team. Yeah, yeah. yeah there, there, there are proper avid. Um, real fans of BOTB that go to like the uh, we back in the day when we had the judges in the office, they had um, these chopsticks that they would use to try and line up the guy's eyes. We would have players emailing us and phoning us saying, where did you buy your chopsticks from? So they could get the same chopsticks. Or actually, it wasn't even a chopstick. It was, um, you know what a conductor uses to like do an orchestra? It was those little baton things. Like, where did you buy them from? We want the same ones that the judges have. Like, it got to that point. Like, people love playing spot the ball, and it's fantastic. And we love our customers for loving that way of entering. So that's what happens if you're the winner of the URUS my job then on a Monday morning, once the judging's happened and we found out that that's the winner and all of the details and all the data gets sent to our auditing company and they say to us, right, we've we've done the number crunching. We think the winner is Ben and he's won a Lamborghini Urus. And we go, well, we've done the number crunching. We would concur. So great. Okay, lock that in. He's the winner. That's the car he's won. Christian, over to you. And on a Monday, as you can imagine, it is, I mean, I'm pulling my hair out. You stalk a number Monday. one, are you? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my fiance should be really worried because <laughs> I know everything there is to know about any one of our players. Uh, no jokes aside. Um, yeah, my, my job is a bit of stalking on a Monday. Now, thank goodness we ask players to put down like a surprise contact. So nine times out of 10, they'll have like, oh, phone my wife, phone my husband, phone my son, daughter, whatever, and I'll phone them. That's always a bit of an interesting conversation to have because you phone, you basically cold call this person. You go, hi, you, 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 your husband's want to... Lamborghini Urus and they're like oh give over like whatever never heard of BOTB like half the time they've never heard and their partner's playing um, and they're like oh and then I have basically have to try and convince them I'm like look you've probably seen us in the airports you know we're a publicly listed business like we're all over the internet Google us and literally you can hear them on the phone typing in BOTB and then they start to see the website they start to see my videos and stuff and they're like oh okay cool like, oh my God, he's why? And then it, the, the reality starts to set in. And I'm like, right, well, where are they going to be tomorrow morning? Also, by the way, I'm not phoning up being like, what's your bank details? So it's quite, I'm, yeah. I'm saying to these people, like a husband or the wives of these winners, like, I know where you live because it's on his account. I just need to check where he's going to be tomorrow so we can basically bring along this example of a Lamborghini Urus to surprise him with. And it's amazing um, the reaction that you get on the phone. Every time I surprise a phone, uh, every time I phone a surprise contact, it's always different always different. Like when every time I surprise a winner, I have no idea. It's part of the fun of the job. No idea what they're going to react. Sometimes they're, they're, so, they're, they're kind of have the personality where they're just quite chilled about it. I mean, they've got fireworks going off in their head because they can't believe they've won a car, but there's nothing really showing on the outside. And I, I really don't like it when people come onto our videos and be like, oh, you can tell he wasn't that bothered. Who's not bothered about winning a car? Like everyone's bothered. Like it's just about what you are like as a person. And it's amazing the amount of comments we get on videos going, oh, if I ever win, I'll be jumping around doing cartwheels. We've had somebody comment that before. And then about a year later, that person won. I went to surprise them. And I reckon in the whole video, they said five words. And I was like, now you see what it's like to win. And they're like, I completely get it. I'm just lost for words. So I guess that means that coming under your portfolio, you get to see what's written online. You have to deal with a lot of the trolls, a lot of comments, a lot of moments like that. It's a scam, it's fake. In in that sector, you have it's a scam and it's fake. So what does that do to you after all these years of basically your job being to convince people that it's not fake? How do you you deal with that? So when I first started uh, doing some work for BOTB, it bothered me a lot. Like... I was putting everything that I had into helping this business become, you know, um, as genuine as they are, or, or at least, you know, showing that, that that this stuff happens. It's real. It's a public listed business. Like the amount of um, holes you got to jump through, hoops you got to jump through if you're listed is huge. So I think it's usually the people that haven't done any research on the business that go, oh, it's fake. It's too good to be true. It's, it's all of that. And yeah, it does seem to be too good to be true, but it is actually happening. Like this is a business that has grown over the last 24 years and it's got to the point now where we're giving away, I mean, just this week, we've had insane prizes, you know, up to the value, well, uh, for the whole week, probably easy 250 grand's worth of prize being given away. And that's 
you know, going to hurt the business a little bit more in terms of profit than giving away a, uh, an up. Yeah, the CEO must go, if that spot the ball competition is a Euros that way, oh, for God's sake, you're joking. There, there, I have <laughs> seen, <laughs> I have to say, yeah. Or two I, weeks on the trot where it's like yeah, that. But, but that's the business model, right? And, and that's what we have to understand. Some weeks it's going to be expensive. Other weeks it's probably not going to be as expensive. We don't choose the car that is given away. That's up to the players. So we have to just work out from a business point of view, what cars can we put in? What cars can we take out? Et cetera, et cetera. And we run this kind of, you know, average, I suppose you could call it. Um, but yeah, it, it, to work with the team that I get to work with is is awesome, and I love them to bits. So, you were doing radio though alongside most of that up until you said six months about ago. about six months ago. So, yeah. what, so what did your week look like? And and amongst a week filled with happiness and surprising people, and it you was said stressful working your dream job in radio that you got years ago, and that you were so happy to be on that. Yeah, what happened? Well. I'll try not to get emotional about it because it it is it's hard for me because I got to the point where, as I mentioned, I fell over and I just didn't get back up. And it 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 was like literally someone hit me with a sledgehammer. So it was like that. Yeah. Yeah. One day I just was like, I have got no energy. And I started getting these like heart palpitations. It was it was it was difficult. Yeah. And was that when you had that been a slow decline, is that based on, for say, just, oh my God, I've suddenly hit a wall, I can't do anymore? Or was there a key moment that basically happened? There wasn't a key moment. It was just realizing that you can't, can't do anymore. I, I, yeah. I think it's like you're not invincible, you're not Superman, you can't work seven days a week. I think a lot of people think maybe for me, I just wake up, go and surprise a winner and that's it. And then I get to chill out for the rest of the day. It's really, it's, there's a lot more to it. And I suppose I've invested a lot of my time and effort in BOTB. I put everything I've got into that company, just like I put everything I've got into working on radio. I would be the first in uh, planning my show and I'd be the last out because I wanted to chat to the bosses or the producers about how to make that product better, which is something I'm really passionate about. And reading the reviews, getting feedback, I think is so important for businesses. Like I read basically every single ever comment there's ever been on any BOTB video, all the social media. I mean, we've got a great team that sorts out the social media stuff and they do an amazing job, but I love reading it because I want to know how do we better ourselves? How does that company grow even more? And I think you can learn a lot from your customers. Some of the times they're really wrong and customers actually sometimes don't even really know what it is that they want. But there are a few little nuggets in there that you go, that's a really important point and people need to take that on board. And I will show that to the people at BOTB and say, look, we've had this comment. This is something we can learn from. And then you grow. Now, you said you were the type of person to go and knock on the door and try and get the opportunity. So when you found yourself getting into a space like the fact that you just cannot do any more during your week. What did you do? Huh? It, it was so hard because I just, I'm the kind of person that wants to do more and more and more. And as I mentioned, it got to the point where I just couldn't do any more. Like I was running at 150%. Basically working two jobs. Was you, your radio still late? Uh, no, it was like Saturday and Sunday afternoon, which is basically the whole day, Saturday and Sunday taken up. And you get home on a Sunday like late afternoon you sit down and you're like, oh my God, it's a few hours and I've basically got to be thinking about doing the next job. But the thing with, uh, especially with BOTB, is that it's not a nine to five job. It's all the time. Like there's comments coming in from people all the time. And I like responding to stuff like that. And as I mentioned, our social media team now do a great job. So that's a little bit of less um, kind of uh, stress that I have to worry about. But um, I need to make sure that that customers of a business that I'm doing work for are happy and that they have the product that they want. And I'm really quite anal about responding and, and, and being on top of it. Because I think if I contact a business and if I get a reply in 10 minutes, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's really cool. Like they're obviously on it. That's good. So I want to be able to give that to, to people that interact with us. I find it fascinating that you work essentially now for a PLC yet you seem to have the same relationship as someone that would work for a family business. And I've not come across that before. Do you think that that is stemmed by the fact that it was you and Christian and you know it's you, you know he has been in your shoes with the role you you're doing? Will, sorry, yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Yourself, Christian, and Will. 
and you know that he's been in your shoes giving the cars away at the start and you had that relationship with the marketing director and him from the start. Do you think it would be the same relationship with the business if you join now? So as you mentioned, BOTB does really feel like a family business. Everybody is friends in the office. Like we all go for drinks after work and stuff. It's not one of those places that at five o'clock, everyone goes, see you later, have a good evening. It's because the team is so small, we all get along really well. And because we gel well, we produce great work. And Will was an absolute integral part of that. He built this business and he surrounded himself with people that basically did a better job than him. And I've always been on the understanding that you should always surround yourself with people that can do basically a better job than you. So Will was the boss and he said, right, we need someone to present. Well, Christian's going to do a better job than I do because I'm not a presenter. I'm good at at managing the business and and growing us as a company, but I'm not good at that. And we're going to bring, bring Ben in as a marketing director because he's so much better at doing marketing than I could do. So I think it's really important that you surround yourself with people that can basically just do the best at the role that you need to, to do them in. If someone was to join BOTB now, it's still very much got that family feel. So I really enjoy that about working there. Who was the person you surrounded yourself with when it got tough then? My friends and... Oh, okay, I get emotional again. Uh, <clears throat> My partner has been amazing. She's, she's fantastic. Because six months ago is still relatively raw. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it was tough because as I mentioned, I get, I get emotional about it because it, I felt like I'd kind of hit this brick wall, but I wanted to keep going. That's the annoying thing. So I was like, I felt like I was being reined in. About the fact that there is something just saying I can't do anymore. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm being told by doctors, like you need to slow down. I was getting all these real bad pains in my uh, in my chest, and they were like, "We don't know what it is, but but by your work schedule, you need to slow it down." And I'm the kind of person like I'm the same when you see me on the video. Uh, I'm the same in real life. I, I found your podcast with Matt Armstrong really interesting because Matt said, "I find talking to a camera a lot easier than talking to people." I'm kind of the same. I like chatting to you, chatting to my mum, to my dad, my my, you know, my fiance, whoever it is, I'm exactly the same person. If you meet me in real life, I'm the same person as you see on the videos. I've heard so many stories about people in the car scene that they meet in real life and they're like, oh yeah, don't meet your heroes. They were horrible. Or like, they really weren't as nice as they were when I've watched their videos. I'm like, that's really sad because basically they're putting on an act. And like the whole point of YouTube is it's being really personal. You're you're allowing you know people to come and watch your channel and interact with you a little bit like radio. You've got to be yourself. You've got to tell the stories that you tell your mates down the pub because they're the kind of stories that people are going to interact with and understand. Yeah, if you're not feeling good and you have to turn up on a Tuesday morning with a massive grin on your face and surprise a guest, what's it like after that when you've basically been around someone that's just had one of the happiest moments of their life yet you get back in the car? Oh, it's still amazing. Like people say to me, don't you get jealous of giving away cars? I'm like, no. Have you seen the look on this person's <laughs> I'm face? I'm jealous of how happy they were today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't be jealous. Like it, it's an amazing experience for this person to go through. And I love every single second of it. I mean, you can see on the videos, like we have, we, we laugh, we cry. It's just amazing to be able to be part of that experience for these people. And yeah, it, it, it has been tough, as we mentioned, and my fiance has been amazing. She's she's picked me up in the really bad times and she's, you know, kind of uh, been really happy with me in the good times. And am I allowed to ask how come you chose to continue with, say, BOTB over radio? radio? Good question. Um, for me, it was, for radio, there was two reasons why I came out of it. One was my own personal choice. And actually the other one was kind of taken out of my hands. So I was doing the weekend stuff and the boss at the time, I had a funny feeling he wanted to shake things up at the weekend a little bit. Um, and I got to the point where I was having these chats with doctors and I was like, I, they said, you need to calm down. Something needs to give. And I said, well, radio for me is really, it's quite commercial in terms of you go into this huge building in central London, the, the, um, 
the links I had, the kind of relationship I had with the people there weren't as strong as I had with BOTB because it's a lot more family run business. And it got to the point where the boss phoned me up one day and he said, look, we're, we're looking at changing things at the weekend. And I said, look, if it's easy for me to step down, I would love to do that. I'm doing too much. I've been told I'm doing too much. I need to be able to just breathe. And he said, that's great. So I didn't really, it was kind of like, in a way, it was kind of like I was fired, but I wasn't fired. I kind of stepped down because I wanted to. And also they were saying, well, we kind of want right to change. Time it worked. Exactly. It was the right time for both of us. So for me leaving Virgin, I had no, no, um, you know, anger towards the, the radio station. I think they're great and they're doing a great job now. The whole management team there is fantastic. And it was just the right time for, for me to step down and the right time for them to, to shake the weekends up a little bit. You mentioned when you started, say, BOTB, when you were still in radio, you had a rather nice red Porsche Cayman. Or did you say it become black? It become black, yeah. It become black. That one. was it. That was when yeah. you pulled up in, uh, in front of Will's yeah, office. Yeah, Will was like, blowing me. Radio pays well. <laughs> <laughs> well, does BOTB must be a bit better now these days? Well, because I'd say a lot of guests come that come on here, after all this hard work and incredible journeys, there's got to be some point in life that gives you the point to treat yourself with something just like the people that you treat with the amazing cars. Um, and you've got a 458 Spider, right? I love that car is it, so is it much. Is it the triple layer red, Rosso? It's not triple layer. Is it's it, just Rosso Corsa. It, look, it looked amazing in JZM where you got it from yeah. that photo because it's got the gold wheels yeah. on it. it. Oh, it just looks... My fiance hates those wheels. So, she absolutely sure, despises my, them. My um, ex-fiance, who I'm still really good friends with, but she had an absolute vendetta against gold wheels right like she'd she'd looked at the performance that i had and were like they look like sick <laughs> <laughs> and uh louis that's actually helping out today that uh, cleans them sometimes he hates them there's about 400 spokes on them they're definitely but, marmite but you you've just got to buy what you love right so why ferrari for me there is something about driving a ferrari and it's not about the the image or the status that it gives you because I think that's probably bad. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. Uh, there's some uh, lines that I get from people when I'm driving along um, that I won't repeat on the podcast, but they're uh, I wouldn't say they're quite positive. You don't always get the positive um, comments driving around a Ferrari, but for me, it's about the way that that car feels when you drive it. It's like nothing I've ever driven before. So the reason I picked a four five eight was obviously with my job, I get to drive lots of amazing cars. And when I was in radio as well, I, I got handed the keys to some incredible bits of kit to drive around in. And the first ever supercar I drove was a 458. And I thought, this is cool. And I didn't really understand much about the car because it was the first ever supercar I drove. I was like, well, it's fast. It's great. It looks cool. And I really like the feeling that it gives you when you're driving this car. And I drove loads of other cars after that, like McLarens and Lamborghinis. And they just didn't quite give me the same feeling. The car didn't quite feel as alive as the 458 did. And I promised myself that if I could ever afford the repayments on some financial bad decision, it would be on a 458. So I got to the point. Well, I was like, I think I can probably just about squeeze into one of these. Um, and JZM found the car. Actually, it wasn't JZM. I've got to give the credit to a Ferrari dealership, which I won't say which one, because uh, they might get in trouble, I suppose. But they were offered a 458, and they offered too low, and they didn't buy it. However, the guy at the dealership said, look, I know you've been after one of these for a, a long time. We, we know that JZM are going to buy it. So if you want to give the guys a call, I would. So I phoned them and they were like, oh yeah, we're just about to buy this car. They sent me some pictures and I was like, yes, it's got the gold wheels. It's red. Like, yes, I want it. The roof comes off. Like, this is amazing. I really want it. Anyway, a, a long story short, I managed to just about work out the finance payments and it still hurts me when I look at the amount going out each month, but I only have to get in that car, turn the key, push the button and I'm like, this is epic. Which is nice because there's there's so many people that say uh, in the public car, the spotlight, that the car changes every six months because it's just for camera. Where you, you've had it a couple of years now and you're still oh, getting I really, the same pleasure out of it. If I can, and touch words, I will keep that car forever. It is awesome. I've never driven anything that, that, that drives like that car. And you've driven a lot of cars. I've driven a lot of cars, yeah. And now, weirdly, people say to me, is driving a supercar still as fun as it was like the first time you drove one? Uh, yeah, it's still as, as fun, but there's a different way you, you really get into like, oh yeah, this turns in a bit quicker or, oh, this brakes a bit harder. Or you really get into the nitty gritty of understanding how the cars work and how they differ from some of the other models that you've driven. 
So for me, the 458 was like this razor blade. Like it, it, every little input you give it, it gives you feedback. And sometimes you'll start it in the morning like, oh, you're grumpy this morning. Like it's got a proper personality. And I love that about it. There must be some really incredible moments, like just, just moments in time that have happened for people that have won the competitions that have chosen the car over the cash for argument's sake. Let's say have a, a pretty normal life, say somebody out there. And then suddenly they're like, screw it, I'm going to take this Lambo for six months. And they must have some weird things happen when they're out and about on the road, if you know what I mean. That A, you're like, well, hang on a second, it's not what you think. <laughs> yeah, people think that they've won the lottery or whatever. It's mad. Like all, all of a sudden, you know, the guy down the road is driving around in a brand new M3 or whatever. And it's like, hold on a minute. The police must go, mm. it's, Yeah. What's quite funny is we also have winners that like write on their number plate, like BOTB dash, I want it and stuff like that. Or, or people that have the number plate, like uh, someone had. Um, I think it was like uh, an RS6 or maybe a GTR. G- oh, no, that was it. It was a GTR W-O-N. And he came and visited us at, at Goodwood every year. And he's like, still got the car. I'm like, awesome. Obviously, some people in their financial situation, it's not a good idea for them to take the car. So we'll have a chat with them. And we're really, really hot on having a chat with our winners and saying, look, what is the best decision for you? Yes, there's a really nice shiny Lamborghini you could have. However, you know, the prize is worth nearly 200 grand. Is is the money a better option? So we like to try and really go sit through, down. This and, is actually what this car could cost you over, say, three years. Exactly. We really try and help them understand that what is the best financial decision for you, um, and hopefully they make the right choice. It is up to them, obviously, in the end. But we really try and kind of help them. And talking finally about you and your future. What do you think lies ahead in the next five years for you? I've got no idea. I'm very much someone Is there that, any doors to go and knock on? I don't know. I'd, I'd like to do a TV show. Whether or not that TV show um, is something along the lines of surprising people. Like I love shows like Car SOS and things like that, where they go and like kind of steal a car from someone's family. Maybe someone's family member has, has got ill or something and they can't repair it and they've had this you know, old RS Cosworth or whatever for 20 years and they just can't fix it. You come in and fix it up and give it back. I love that. I'll sit and cry my eyes out watching that show. I think it's fantastic because I, I love having that moment of people going, wow. And I like creating that moment. So I would love to create a TV show. What that is yet, I'm not quite sure. Um, but maybe along the lines, something like that. Somebody asked me the other day, actually, I was in the pub and they said, do you think you'll go back into radio? I would love to go back into radio at some point just to have it's another little It's got to be the go. right station at the right time. It has, yeah. And I can't dig my own grave again like I nearly did, you know, a year ago. It was That was so tough. Um, so it's right place, right time. But it's about creating your own luck. And I think if you want something enough, you can make it happen. So we'll finish on a few little quick fire questions just for a bit of fun. If you could give away one car that BOTB hasn't given away yet, what would it be? Bugatti. It's got to be. I mean, right, it, people go, what's the most expensive car? And you go, like, Bugatti. Have you said to, oh, what, do you think we should do it just as this one? I get laughed out the door, usually. However, um, there has got to be a point, I'd like to think, that, you know, if BOTB can grow, and fingers crossed they can, to a point where they could give away a Bugatti, how incredible would that be? We get emails, oh God, every day. If there is not an email in the inbox every day about someone going, have you thought about giving away a Bugatti? Like, it's mad. We get people going that all the time. But that's like, you know, it's a million quid car. This just wouldn't be viable for the business. So there has to be decisions made for the longevity of the business and surviving. So I don't think that's coming anytime soon, but I would love to be able to do that. For someone that spent so much time looking at a spot the ball competition, whether it be on videos or with the judges, um, I have no idea whether you like football, but F1 or football? F1. Couldn't care less about football. When I watched Paul Wallace's podcast and he sat there in a, in a, top, in a football top, I was like, I don't even know what top that is. Don't even know what team that is. It was, was it a football top? It was a football top. Okay, fine, yeah. I don't know either, to be honest. <laughs> I do like football, but I, don't, I have no idea what you had done. I used to play it at school. Loved Paul it. wasn't ready for that podcast. Was he not? <laughs> Literally, I phoned him up going around the top part of the M25. I was like, yo, dude, do you want to come on? He's like, yeah, I'm actually free, actually. Like, and he just literally rocks up. Nice. He'd just come from um, doing the F1 podcast with uh, Sam and Tony. 
And he just rocked up, bless him, sat down, sweated for an hour, and uh, we did the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely beads of sweat coming down his face, because I guess it gets quite warm in here. It's a cold day today, so I'm, we're all right. I'm glad today that I've caught you on a day where it's a lot more cooler <laughs> to talk about your absolutely incredible story and where you've got to today. Um, you've definitely opened the correct doors for yourself to get into the position that you got to and i want to say thank you so much for coming on and telling your story to our listeners and viewers so well, thanks for having me uh, hopefully you know people can understand that if you want to do something you can do it you've just got to create your own luck whether it's staying behind like i did at that radio station and having a chat with the boss when no one else did or emailing botb and basically saying i think your social media could be better here's a list of things that i would look at you are providing a solution to a problem Every company has a problem, whether it's one way or another, whatever department is. If you can provide a solution to that, they are going to hire you. Christine William, thank you for coming on Road to Success. No worries, thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.